0: I was uh, busy watching the Gilded Age on HBO Max. I also
1: watched that. I watched that before this.
0: Oh, it's so good. It is. I was yelling for Mrs. Russell
1: the whole time. I was like, yes, girl, tell Mrs. Astor what to do. Did you finish all the episodes? Yeah, I'm caught up.
0: Was that the series finale or season finale? It seemed like it must have been because of the way they zoomed out at the street at the end.
1: I was hoping not because I feel like we didn't get that many episodes. But I will tell you, I'm glad that Marion didn't throw her life away. Yeah. Also, sorry if someone hasn't watched this because there's about to be major spoilers. But...
0: Yeah, quit listening if you want to watch the Gilded Age and don't want spoilers. All we but have yes. to say is fuck these men.
1: Because she that guy with her
0: glass of wine. Yeah, I am.
1: <laughs> that, listen, that guy, fuck him literally just going around here trying to find all this money and not really in love with her he's a liar
0: yeah also it says it was the season finale Mm. oh my god Uh, I, I was like it had to be there was a lot of stuff that like came to its like end point during that episode that's what I thought too but I was hoping I was just gonna be wrong yeah I was hoping the same thing when I saw the very dramatic zoom out on the entire street. Yeah, but I was like, wow, it came full circle. Yeah, it did. Because that's kind of how we started. It's really good. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. out of 10, would recommend. Welcome to Hysterical History, where we sit down, talk about our favorite stories, and of course, laugh. Your hosts are Whitley Trussler and Emily Gummery. All right, let's get this show started. Actually, uh, funnily enough, I got my story from the Gilded Age. Oh, okay. So oh, would you
1: like to go first?
0: Yeah, you remember when on topic? the, I don't know what you call him, like the assistant butler? He goes to the gravesite and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about his mom who was killed in Pashtigo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I looked it up because I was like, Ooh. I've never heard of that. Okay. And it turns out that um, the events that happened there have a very historic place. But nobody, I've never heard of it before, nobody ever talks about it. Um, So here we go, we're going to talk about Peshtigo, Wisconsin, and an event that happened there on October eighth, eighteen
1: 1871.
0: Dun dun dun. So just some backdrop for Peshtigo, Wisconsin. It's in the northern half of Wisconsin, which prior to people settling there was just a large thick forest. Where trees kind of dominated the landscape and pine trees grew to over 120 feet tall, and they were three foot across so pretty big that sounds lovely yeah it does actually it sounds very beautiful. Um, But because of this. Availability of lumber the location becomes home to a few major industries so lumbering manufacturing and railroad industries. Mm. And because of this immigrants start to flood into Wisconsin, uh, particularly Peshtigo, because of the industry there. Um, and a lot of people, well, I always think that a lot of people should know things, but then they don't. So I'm just going to say it. Um, a lot of immigrants like German and Scandinavian immigrants, Chinese immigrants, you know, all everybody who's coming to the US found a lot of opportunity in the railroad industry. So It's not shocking that this area is full of people who are just migrating across the U.S. looking for work. Um, So wood from the area was used to build up the area, which makes sense. It's a huge natural resource that the area has. So everything is wood from the houses to stuffing and mattress mattresses to The sawdust they lay on the streets to get rid of muddiness, which I think is actually pretty smart. Um, I think it's smart, but this is starting to sound dangerous Smokey the bear would not approve. Well good i'm glad you see where this is going I didn't know how long i'd be able to keep the surprise at bay. Um, Well, I just feel
1: like it sounds like a terrible disaster to have everything made of wood didn't we learn anything from the three little pigs. No, apparently we didn't
0: yeah we did not Uh, so. By 1871, Pestigo had become pretty much the most fully developed settlement in that region, um, just because of all the industry that it had going for it. And it actually boasted the largest woodenware factory in the world. So that's where they made a lot of household items out of wood. Um, And it was also home to one of the largest sawmills in the nation. Mm. And the industry can actually be traced back to William Ogden, the former mayor of Chicago, he recognized the opportunities in that area and he bought thousands and thousands of acres of this forest, built the sawmill, built the woodenware factory, boarding houses, dry goods stores, all that kind of stuff. And because the mayor of Chicago kind of founded this area, he brought railroad lines to the region to bring lumber to the sawmill, so he kind of connect pestigo to basically civilization out east. He's killing it. He is. He's doing a good job. Um, So, as you already probably all gathered, there's a lot of wood in this town, like a lot of wood, everything is wood, even the shingles on the houses are wood. Oh, no. And then we have this drought that happens in 1871. Oh, no. So the river levels are really low which means the timber couldn't be floated up and down the river. Logs were getting piled up near the riverbanks, which means, guess what? Even more wood just sitting around this town. Oh no. And because of the industry, fires were not uncommon around Pestigo. Um, And a lot of fires were typically left to die out on their own, they were never extinguished. So for example, lumberjacks would clear an area and then set fire to the branches and other debris and then move on farmers would do a similar thing um and railroad construction crews also would set fires to clear debris um and steam engines also running through the area would spew sparks from their smokestacks so it's a very fire prone area they had a lot of faith in god they did yeah because it was even like Fires would burn underground and destroy root systems because people just left them burning. And trees would fall over from their weakened roots or sometimes burst into flames. So like red flags everywhere, like we should maybe put fires out.
1: Smokey the Bear Now an aneurysm right now.
0: Yes, (laughs) he would. (laughs) On September 24th, which is about two weeks before October 8th, the the big disaster that happens, the woods west of the town started to burn and sparks ignited a pile of sawdust next to the woodenware factory. So this one, the men from town were able to put out the fire with buckets of water from the river. But also on the same day in another town nearby called Marinette, there was another fire that ignited that was also put out. By their new volunteer fire department so disaster averted so far here in you September. love a good
1: vfd a what a vfd volunteer fire department
0: oh <laughs> what do you think i said i i heard you say vfd i just didn't know what that stood for
1: <laughs> oh you never saw like vfd on like your sure department like shirts
0: and stuff i probably did i probably just wasn't paying enough attention it's just pretty on brand for me
1: god even glasses
0: (laughs) just kidding moving on (laughs) speaking of glasses because of the constant fires that were always happening people couldn't see they'd have to carry lamps around during the day school would close down a lot ships would navigate by foghorns and compass and people were getting sick from breathing all the smoke
1: this is before
0: the big disaster I'm getting sick
1: just thinking about what's potentially gonna happen at the end of the story.
0: I think we all probably know where it is going, but I'll keep going because I've got some um, firsthand accounts of what happened. I'm stressed. So on top of all of these mounting issues that this town faces that makes them very fire prone, like I mentioned, there was a drought. So 1870, the fall and winter were extremely dry. And then the spring of 1871 and summer were even drier than the prior year so huge drought happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then. Add on top of it in October early October a huge low pressure cell storm cell formed in the West. And in a low pressure weather system, the air rises and cools off while air around the storm cell rushes in to replace it, so it causes a counterclockwise spinning. So just keep that in mind for when we get Mm -hmm. to the story of the fire. Okay. So now we get to October 8th. So citizens carry on as a usual day because their usual day is full of smoke and like little fires everywhere. But as the day started to grow darker, a strange glow, red glow, started to appear in the west. And the wind began to pick up because of this storm. Oh, at 10pm, it is noted that a low rumbling sound began to be noticed by people and it began to turn into a roar and some people described it as the sound of a freight train or a rushing waterfall and what it was was the wind. pushing this fire across the landscape. Oh my God. So. What happens now. High winds start to blow people to the ground. Hot air is burning people's lungs because the fire just comes on so quickly. Dust and smoke is blinding them. A lot of them are trying to run for the river. Um, and Father Pernin, who is the religious individual in town, describes the scene. So I'm going to read that here. Um, The air was no longer fit to breathe, full as it was of sand, dust, ashes, cinders, sparks, smoke, and fire. It was almost impossible to keep one's eyes unclosed to distinguish the road or to recognize people, though the way was crowded with pedestrians, as well as vehicles crossing and crashing against each other in the general flight. Some were hastening towards the river, others from it, whilst all were struggling alike in the grasp of the hurricane. A thousand discordant deafening noises rose on the air together. The neighing of horses, falling of chimneys, crashing of uprooted trees, roaring and whistling of the wind, crackling of fire as it ran with lightning-like rapidity from house to house. All sounds were there, save that of the human voice. People seemed stricken dumb by terror. Oh my God. So, like I mentioned, a lot of people were running towards the river. Everybody was just trying to find a place to hide um not very easy because again everything in this town is made out of woods or wood and it's surrounded by a forest. So actually a lot of people who ran for the river's edge they were scared to get in the water because it's freezing cold and a lot of them couldn't actually swim and it was noted in Father Pernan's accounts of what happened. The river was already at this point full of thrashing cows, horses, mothers, children everybody jumping in the river um hmm. and father pernon convinced a lot of people to jump in as well because it was better to risk drowning than being burned alive oh my god so could you imagine like
1: that's your only those are your only two options really i mean you could survive which obviously is like the first option we all want but you literally have to pick, do I want to try, try to survive and potentially drown, or do I want to try to survive and get burned to death?
0: Exactly. Like, what? Those are the options. And Father Pernan spent about five and a half hours in the river overnight, just trying to stay alive. Um, and a lot of people in the river died. If they didn't drown, they died of hypothermia
1: i was gonna say it's october so it'll be freezing
0: yeah and away from the town the situation was even worse um there wasn't a lot of protection from the fire for example in open fields where people were working um there were um, stories of some people who crawled into wells that weren't deep enough and they either died from wood falling on top of them or they suffocated when the air was sucked out of the well
1: oh my god
0: and actually the best survival method was the individuals who laid down in shallow streams and covered themselves with dirt and mud. They Those were the most likely to survive the storm. So. Um,
1: do you know why? This is a legitimate question. I'm terrible yeah. with like physics and whatever else kind of science this is. So.
0: I would just guess that one, it was a shield from the fire. So it kept the fire from burning them. Mm. Two, you didn't have the freezing cold water to cause you to die of hypothermia or drown. And three, you couldn't really get trapped in that, which also killed a lot of people. So that would be my guess. Okay. Makes sense. So by the morning, the firestorm had died out. So just like that, it was done. So it swept in, killed a lot of people. And then it was gone. Wow. so a lot of the survivors, unshockingly, were badly burned. Some were blinded by the smoke, and everybody was coughing from breathing in all the hot air and smoke. Um, And a quote from Father Pernan describes the aftermath. so today, in recalling the past, I can see that the moment most fraught with danger was precisely that in which danger seemed at an end. So basically, the scariest part of it all was when it was over, because everybody's chest is tight from suffocating, throats are swollen, they can't move, and actually Father Pernan couldn't see anything. He noted that he was blind he couldn't see anything after this had happened up, but fortunately his eyesight did slowly return over time. Oh good. But in the meantime, you know he has all these injuries and he's also has his duties to perform for the church to console all these people who have lost loved ones or who are slowly dying from burns yeah. So nobody even knew about the fire immediately because the telegraph lines were all destroyed so the closest telegraph was 45 miles away in green bay wisconsin so they couldn't get any support or service from anybody because they couldn't tell anybody that this had happened um so it took two days after the fire for the governor to learn about what had happened at pestigo and when the governor's wife heard the news she stopped a train car that was loaded with food and supplies on its way to chicago because guess what the chicago fire the great chicago fire that we all know about happened the same exact night as pestigo shut up Mm -hmm. so that's why pestigo often gets overlooked even though it was this It was the deadliest fire in U.S. history. It killed over 2,000 people and burned over 2,400 acres. Wow. And the Chicago fire, the estimate was only around 300 individuals lost their lives. So just the difference between Chicago and this lumber community, I mean, the population of Peshtigo was little more than two thousand, so it killed almost everybody who lived there
1: small towns matter too they do yeah as much as i shit on my little
0: small town i grew up in they matter too yeah they do and yeah that's i just wanted after i heard that on the gilded age the show we're watching on hbo i i had to look it up because i was just shocked and i'm really glad that they put something like that in there because that's we all learn about the great chicago fire that happened on the same night But it was far less Mm -hmm. severe than what happened here in Peshtigo.
1: And it would have been so easy for them to just say he was from Chicago and talk about the Chicago
0: fire. Yeah. But they didn't. Good for them. But yeah, that's, I thought that was an interesting find. And yeah. Dang. Dang Dangity dang dang. That's your usual quote there. (laughs) Yeah. Dangity dang dang. Cool 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 cool. Um hopefully you have something a little more
1: lighthearted. I do actually, and I was just thinking about how it's crazy that the last two stories we've done, you have been the one that's like worser or worser or worser or, and I'm the one that's like let's have a good time. Um so that's interesting to me. What's wrong <laughs> with you? What's wrong with me?
0: Yeah, we've we've flip-flopped. It's okay now. People are still getting the same quality of sadness and happiness in each episode.
1: (laughs) The same amount of annoyance, um, Mm -hmm. but it's fine. So this story is another one brought to you by Hannah. Um, This time I'm not going to let her send me hate mail. She sent this to me on Saturday. Uh, She was at home coloring and I was at the bar. Um, And... (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, uh, I'm doing something wrong here. I should be at home coloring also. So we are going to talk about the first high five. The first high five, like
0: high five.
1: Yes. The first high five.
0: Love that we added in some sound effects there.
1: Yes. Love that for us.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to give you a, if you just like,
1: I don't know, fell off of Mars and ended up on this planet and you don't know what a high five is. A high five is a hand gesture that occurs when two people simultaneously raise one hand each about head high and push, slide, or slap the flat of their palm against the flat palm of the other person. The gesture is often preceded verbally by a phrase like, quote, give me five, quote, high five, quote, up high, or quote, Slap hands, slap hands, <laughs> which was new to me. I've never heard anyone. I'm gonna say start that, yelling that. But I want to stop. I want to <laughs> start like bringing that back. Slap hands, slap hands. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> the phrase for a uh, high five as a noun has been part of the Oxford English Dictionary since 1980, so it really isn't that old. And it was added as a verb in nineteen eighty one. So like high five is real young in the grand scheme of things. Um oh my god, what did I do?
0: Okay. I'm trying to like think of a high five equivalent for today because I know like stupid things have got added and like have gotten added to the dictionary that are like slang. Probably but like bet. Bet yellow, maybe. No, that's an abbreviation. Let's move on. That's fine. That was cringy. I that flashed me back to, to the dot See, blah, this, blah, 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 2012, this is 2012, and I don't use slang. I just don't use it because it's cringy. But continue. Sorry. Omg, teach slap hands. Okay, anyway, slap hands.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> high five originated from low five, which has been part of African American culture since 1920. Obviously, we can't have anything like we literally take everything from other cultures. So I'm not surprised. It's hard to know um, the true story of the transition from low to high, but there are many theories. The first one is that Magic Johnson suggests that he invented high five at Michigan State, which if true would date high five around the late 70s. However, other people say it started in the women's volleyball circuit, which would date it around 1960. Right. Oh. So who's true? Who's false? We don't know.
0: Um, I always hope it's the
1: women, but. I mean, I'm, I want to say it's the women just because I feel like Matt, like the fact that Magic Johnson is saying he invented it himself not somebody else being like oh i think magic johnson did it that's what's hinky to me like if you're telling me oh i created it i did it i I did i'm like "Mm, maybe not maybe not i think you're just like trying to get attention
0: hold on my vet might be calling (laughs) hello hello Good. How are you? Cool. Um, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. so um I had been tapering him down um over the last couple months. Uh he's now only taking half a pill per day. Um, okay. I remember she had mentioned maybe trying to get down to half a pill every yeah. other day. Um, mm-hmm. I just wasn't sure at what point I should move to that dose or if he needs to come back in to get seen.
1: Absolutely. So how I'd like to come back in and get seen. Habit,
0: habit yeah, we just started this, uh, I think two weeks ago now. Um, okay. I have noticed he's had a little bit of um, eye goop in his right eye, um, Ooh, eye since goop. doing that. Oh, uh, well, guys, it's though. just yeah, you and me, so the, um,
1: the, Lost yeah, our co host to, to like, the vet. Now she's getting up and potentially walking down the stairs. So now it's, oh, and there's dancing. I'm so glad that you're on your podcast app and not having to see this like I am we'll create a poll of which co-host you like better me or Whitley obviously me because I don't leave you like this. um
0: so he did the one tablet uh oh hold on I think he was
1: I care more about you two as tablets. than Whitley obviously but hey yep
0: yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: It's gonna really suck if we create this poll and you all vote. Yeah, for so yeah I, I did that for an a idiot, month but, you know,
0: the month after we finished the a risk I'm willing to take um period. Period Queen I would say is, do you you've been doing half a tablet once a day for two weeks you said? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Let's do it for one more week that we're gonna give her two quickly since you've been on this kind of like
1: long term. Um and then so one more week of doing it once a day and then after that let's tell some three, jokes. Why do we tell actors to break a leg? Because every play has a cast.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um how do
1: poets perfect. say hello? Hey, have that we metaphor? <laughs> That's dumb. How do rabbits travel? By hair planes. Um,
0: and then is it possible I think we're getting close to I think maybe we have a little bit kind of plant can of roar. The- the pills. A lying. Absolutely. Okay.
1: When is the turkey soup bad for your health? Tablet, when week you're of, the turkey. What did the, the mushroom day. go to the or I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Why did the mushroom go to the party? That he is because he was f- fun. A fun guy. That took me way longer to get than it should have. Why did the Clydesdale give the pony a glass of water? Because he was a little horse. Okay,
0: Okay. perfect.
1: What does corn say when you give it a compliment? Aw, shucks. How do you fix a cracked pumpkin? With a pumpkin patch. My partner and I met by accident. It all started when he backed his car into mine. Why did the bike fall over? It was too tired.
0: Yeah, I was wondering um, if it would be possible. To what did the
1: ocean say to the shore? Um, Nothing. It just waved.
0: Anxious and, uh, angry oh my God, this call's time. taking
1: um, forever.
0: I think I made her more anxious for chasing her around. With I think we
1: can all agree that Beyonce is a good yeah. one. So we'll do a a little Beyonce.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Ah, no, that's it.
1: All right. Bye. Okay, we'll stop because she's done. Pretend that we didn't have this conversation, guys
0: hi what'd you talk about while i was gone
1: oh nothing me and the audience just had a little there might be a part where you have to cut it because i read a joke that i didn't read beforehand i just started reading and it may not be appropriate and i don't want us to get canceled
0: (laughs) okay yeah sorry i had to talk to my vet about uh prozac for derby and then our other cat is on a steroid for his skin allergies so i had to talk about a refill Mm-hmm. very exciting and we're getting a yeah. puppy this weekend so get to add that now in i saw maggie's
1: story and it said you weren't for sure getting the puppy
0: oh we are. already bought stuff today for it does she know i'll tell her later
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> okay let's continue on talk about the high five yes so for decades
1: it has been said That the origin of the high five happened between Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke, who played for the L.A. Dodgers. So it was October 2nd. Oh, my God, I can't read. October 2nd, 1977, where Dodger Stadium. And it happened to be the last day of the regular season. Dusty Baker hit a home run off of Houston Astros pitcher J.R. Richard in the sixth inning. And this made Baker's 30th home run of the season. And the Dodgers, for the first time in history, had four hitters with at least 30 home runs in a single season. And so because of all of this, Dusty and Glenn high-fived. And that is said to be the story. This story... Um, is also found in written news around September, 1982, and is featured in ESPN's, uh, 30 for 30 film named the high five, uh, Burke was one of the first, just a little tidbit because I wanted to throw this in and I would like to go more in depth on this because it wasn't what I was expecting when I was doing this Burke was actually one of the first openly gay professional athletes. During his retirement, he used the high five with other gay residents of the Castro District of San Francisco, where for many, it became a symbol of gay pride and identification. Love that. Everyone is gay. Yes. However, Whitley, that might not be the origin story. An alternate origin story (laughs) is 1980 we are at the University of Louisville Cardinals basketball practice in 78 for the 78, 79 season. So forward Willie, sorry, Wiley Brown went in for a low five with Derek Smith, but Smith dead-eyed Brown and said, quote, no, up high, end quote. (laughs) High fives can be seen in their highlight reels for the 78, 79 team. And then during a 1980 game, Al McGuire, who was the, um, I didn't write it down. Why did I forget to write this down? The commentator, he shouted, quote, Mr. Brown came to play and they're giving him the high five handshake, high five, end quote. Slap hands. (laughs) But Whitley, that might not be the origin story. Here's another one. Wait, okay. So are we at
0: four right now? We're at two. Oh, I'm I was about thinking, to tell you a third. I was thinking volleyball, Magic Johnson. No, no, no. So, uh. so,
1: um, Magic Johnson and the women's basketball circuit. Oh, basketball. That is when they're telling you where it went from a low five to high five that's the story of the transition and then well i guess yeah that would be four whatever i can't count this is not what we get paid for we don't even get paid we don't get paid (laughs) okay so (laughs) another origin story 2007 there's a press release Two comedy writers and the founders of national high five day claimed that a basketball player from Murray state university in the seventies and eighties invented the high five. They then made up an elaborate story about the player saying his father taught him the gesture as a young boy in 2013, An ESPN article was released with both of them admitting that it was a publicity stunt and it was a lie.
0: How dare they defile the high five. But
1: insert DJ Khaled, another one. Because here's (laughs) another origin story for you. So a lot of these instances predate the 70s altogether. So in the 60s, um, in the 1960 French and I'm not French, and I didn't look this up, so you can hate me in the comments, I guess. French novel, vague fit movie, Breathless. A hand, nope, a high five. I was going to say a handshake. A high five can be seen in the movie. The gestures were not called high fives, though, due to the phrase have not having not been coined, and the cultural context and meaning weren't there. So they were just called something else.
0: Stop Conventional.
1: Yes. slap hands. Um, another option is that, so conventional wisdom. What am I saying?
0: <laughs> We're on it tonight.
1: God, <laughs> Do you even write your own notes. No, I don't. Okay. So conventional wisdom, um, Talks about, so there's basically a Tokyo district called Roppongi, Roppongi. If you're Japanese, please just shoot me in the street. Okay, so (laughs) has, there's a saying, a slogan for this district, and it's quote, high touch town, end quote. After residents noticed World War II American GIs walking the streets, giving each other high fives, which if you haven't heard us before, because we've told plenty of World War II stories, would be around like the 30s, 40s era. So that would predate all these other stories saying that the first high five, even though it wasn't called a high five because that word wasn't coined yet, actually happened in the 30s and 40s. They say the Japanese asked, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you touching each other like that? And there was a mistranslation to high touchy or high touch. But this is probably just a story because Ropongi shopkeepers promotion assistant representative. Yuki, <laughs> you, your Oh, I knew this last (laughs) name was going to get me. You you soy. You soy. Anyway, karaoke. That's all you need to know. Says, quote, there is no deep meaning in quote, secondary quote. High touch town. And that secondary quote. People don't know what it means. End quote. And that is literally the stories (laughs) of the first high five because I literally can't tell you which it was because everybody
0: claims it was them. What a trivial thing to like compete over. Like, oh no, we were (laughs) the first to do a high five. No, we were the first. High touchdown.
1: Well, and the funny thing is, is like, none of them are really like out there fighting for the, you know, the crown of who has the first high five. It's just basically like, it was so small, like, listen there are bigger things going on in the world than a high five. So, so many people are like, you know, hypothetically, if it was in the thirties or forties, world war II is happening. And, and what this was it the sixties, you have Vietnam or Korea or one of them. And then the other ones in like the seventies or whatever,
0: uh, Korea and then Vietnam.
1: Yes. Thanks. My grandfather was going to kill me because he was in Vietnam, but anyway, so, um, you have all these like wars happening and a lot of these are claimed to have happened in the middle of basketball or you know other sports games so like baseball for instance so you have you know your everybody is like high in um just ignore me um (laughs) high on just like you know the energy of the game and so you're really not paying attention so who knows who knows when it happened
0: It's whatever you want to believe at this point. It brings a lot of people joy. It does. And that's what matters most.
1: I really want it to be. (laughs) I really want it to be the second story of University of Louisville Cardinals basketball practice, because I really want it to
0: be because that guy goes, no, up high. (laughs) (laughs) Like that sounds like something that get printed on a t-shirt.
1: Uh, that should be one of the, when we finally have enough listeners and we can make t-shirts I want that on a t-shirt agreed With one hand going like this like down and then one hand like this
0: for individuals listening she put one hand under her breasticle area and <laughs> <laughs> one
1: hand up by her head I couldn't my hand was awkward like you know what anyway you know what the hell I mean leave me be fondling or high five who knows (laughs) annoying this is probably why i shouldn't drink while we do this um makes it fun we should do a drunk episode once though because i think that'd be hysterical
0: yeah and you know that is the name of our show hysterical history
1: yeah we should do one this summer
0: yeah why not
1: get drunk outside and then (laughs) record an episode
0: (laughs) i'm up for it oh man